Hey, thanks for joining us today at the Vine Church. We're one church with two locations and reaching around the world with the help of our online service. We exist to connect the world to Jesus Christ. And if you'd like to partner with us in doing that, you can share this service with others and you can give by clicking the link below. But for now, prepare your heart for some incredible worship and an inspiring message.
Good morning. Um, just as Gus said, my name is Abigail, and I serve on the InReach teams here at The Vine. And just a little quick disclaimer um, about me being on stage hosting and now for the first time preaching, I never thought I would do anything like this, mainly because I'm absolutely terrified. Um, when I was younger, I was asked to hold a flag on stage at a church program, and that was like my only job. I just had to hold the flag. I didn't have to speak or sing or anything, and I got so nervous that I threw up in front of everyone. So <laughs> y'all might want to watch out. I'm just, I'm just saying. Um, no, but in all seriousness, it, it really is such a huge honor for me to be here this morning as we continue week two of our series, Shift, where we have been taking a look at different women in the Bible and how they change their environments by shifting their expectations. And I am so excited to share what I feel like God has placed on my heart this morning. But before we do that, I would really love it if we could pray together. Dad, we love you. I just ask that um, you would move in this place. I ask that, that you would open eyes, that you would open ears, that our hearts would be ready to connect with whatever you have, that you would connect with your kids this morning, not because of me, not because of this band or anything that we do here, but just because of who you are. I thank you that you are good. I thank you that you are for us. We love you, and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I'm sure that uh, many of you have some sort of experience with unmet expectations. And if you would say that you don't, please let me, like, I want to know your secret. Because I would love to get what I want all of the time. That would be really nice. Um, but if we're completely honest with ourselves, we all have some sort of experience with unmet expectations. And a couple years ago, I started walking through a season of unmet expectations. I was praying and um, asking God what was next for me in my life. And God speaks to everyone differently. Um, but one of the ways that he speaks to me the most is he gives me pictures and images. And as I was praying, he gave me an image of me here on this stage preaching. And I'm going to go ahead and address this really quick because I'm sure it's distracting some of you. Um, in the image, I, was, I wasn't wearing shoes. And if you know me at all, I don't wear shoes unless it's an absolute requirement. Um, but I do that for a reason. Um, I have been learning and God has been teaching me over the past few years the significance of holy ground and that everywhere that we step is holy ground and everything that we do is worship. And it started with him asking me to take my shoes off during worship and then it ended up with me on stage without shoes on. But I painted my toes just for y'all so it would be a little less uncomfortable for y'all. Um, but I had that image, I had that vision, and then a couple months later, David emailed me and asked me if I would pray about stepping into more of a platform role here, and I was really excited because what David had asked me, I felt like was the same exact thing that God had showed me a few months earlier, and so I spent about a week praying about it. At the end of that week, I felt like God said no. I felt like he said that I wasn't allowed, or I, I, it wasn't the right time for me to step into that, and so, um, as you can imagine, I was very confused because why would God say one thing and then just take it back? Um, so for the next few months, I walked through a lot of anger and bitterness with God. And 
at the end of those few months, I just kind of gave up. And I said, okay, God, you know that this is something that I really, really want. But if you don't want it for me, then take the desire out of my heart. And um, I prayed that for a few months, and the desire was still there. So I changed my prayer to, okay, whenever I am supposed to step into this, David will ask me again. I prayed that for about two weeks, and at the end of those two weeks, um, David was teaching at VSSM, and we were just talking, having conversation, and he came up to me, and he was like, hey, do you remember that question I asked you a couple years ago, or a year ago? And um, I was very shocked. I honestly don't even think I answered him in the moment. I just kind of stared at him, because what I had prayed had just happened, and I had just finished praying that. And all of that led to me hosting and to me now preaching. But before I could get here, I had to walk through about two years of unmet expectations. And your story probably doesn't look anything like mine, but um, I know that we all have experience with unmet expectations. You know, maybe students for you, it looks like you really wanted to make that sports team or you really wanted to get into that college and you didn't. You know, adults, maybe you thought you were gonna get that job or that you would get that promotion and it didn't happen. You maybe you thought your marriages and your families would look different than they do today. Whatever it is for you, we all have some sort of experience with unmet expectations. So what do we do when that happens? How do we shift our expectations so we're not stuck in environments of bitterness and anger? Um, well, today we are gonna be taking a look at a woman named Hannah who changed her environment change the environment around her by shifting her expectations. So if you have a Bible or a Bible app, you can open up to 1 Samuel chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, the words will be on the screen for you. But if you don't own a Bible and you would like one, we would love for you to pick up a free one at our guest services desk out in the lobby. And while you're flipping there, I just want to give you a little bit of context for where we're going to be at in Hannah's story and um, in her life. So Hannah is one of two wives of a man named Elkanah. And I know that kind of sounds strange, like two wives, because that is very strange. Um, but in the Old Testament um, and in that culture and in that time, it was actually very common for a man to have multiple wives. So she's one of two wives and she's barren. She can't have kids. Um, but Elkanah's other wife does have kids. And every year they travel about 15 miles north of their home in Ramah to the city of Shiloh. And Shiloh is a city in Israel where the tabernacle was located. If you're unfamiliar with the tabernacle, it is just a tent that hosted the Ark of the Covenant, which is where the presence of God was in the Old Testament. So they would travel there once a year and they would go there to worship and make sacrifices to God. And while they were there, um, Elkanah's other wife would mock Hannah for not having kids. And so because of all of that, because of her situation and her circumstances and being mocked, um, Hannah was really upset. She was um, bitter, she was sad, and she wouldn't eat. And so we are going to pick up in verse 9. After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat beside the doorstep of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. Just a little fun fact. Um, if you're wondering why 
Hannah would make a vow that no razor would touch his head. That's actually called a Nazarite. And a Nazarite is someone who their lives are dedicated to God for their whole entire lives. And they were not allowed to have um, fermented drink or wine. And they were not allowed to shave their heads. And we know that um, in the book of Judges, Samson was a Nazarite. And then it's also believed that John the Baptist was a Nazarite as well. That's just a little fun fact for you. Verse 12. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, only her lips moved and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, no, my Lord, I'm a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, Let your servant find favor in your eyes. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the next morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah, and Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And in due time, Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel, for she said, I have asked for him from the Lord. So in those verses, we see Hannah change her environment by shifting her expectations. And she does that by connecting to God in three different ways. And the first way that we see her connect to God is through prayer. It says that Hannah pours herself out to the Lord. And then when she leaves, her face is no longer sad. And actually, in some translations, it says that her face was radiant. Um, And I really love that because that happens before her longing for a child was satisfied. And, you know, so often I think we allow our unmet expectations to dictate the environments around us. And so when we're not getting what we want or what we think we deserve, we find ourselves in these environments of bitterness and anger and frustration. But if we connect with God and we line our hearts up with his, we find that we'll leave radiant and hopeful. You know, Hannah's Hannah's desire didn't go away. Her longing wasn't fulfilled. But instead, her longing was filled with a hope in God and his faithfulness and a satisfaction that only he can provide. And we know the truth about God to be that he cares about the desires of your heart. He longs for a connection with you. Your prayers create intimacy with God, no matter what they look like. He wants to connect with you by you allowing him into these places of anger and frustration and bitterness. You know, what does that look like for us? How do we do that? I think it looks like an open communication, constant flow of communication with God about what's taking place in your heart. For me, um, when I was walking through my season of unmet expectations, that looked like a lot of questions a lot of anger, many, many tears. And if I'm being completely honest, sometimes even yelling um, with God or at God. And those things are okay. You know, I think we like to hide our frustration with God because we think we're pleasing someone else or we think it pleases God when we pretend like we're not upset with him. But the reality of that is that your frustration and your anger with God does not dictate his faithfulness to you or the love that he has for you. When you are frustrated and when you are angry with God, it does not change the promises that he has spoken over you or the love that he has for you. We have to open ourselves up and we have to pour ourselves out for the sake of connection. We have to get vulnerable with God because when we do that, we find that our expectations shift 
because we're reminded of the truth of God's character, that he is good, that he is for us, that he's near to us, and that he hears every single word that we say, and he cares about the desires of our hearts. Our expectations shift when we are connected to God through prayer. And then another way that we see Hannah connect to God is through worship. Um, It says that Hannah pours herself out to the Lord, and that is a part of worship. This is just a side note. I want to encourage you that your prayers are worship. And you know, I think we like to get stuck in a box of what worship looks like on a Sunday morning. And worship on a Sunday morning is the way that it is for a reason, because it's good. It's very, very good. If you heard anything that they did this morning, you know it's very good. But worship connects you to the heart of the Father. That's all that worship is. So the things that you create, it's worship. The, the prayers that you pray, it's worship. The, the admiration that you feel for creation, it's worship. The, the awe and the wonder that you feel for God, all of that is worship. So when Hannah's pouring herself out to the Lord in prayer, that is a part of worship. But then in verse 19, we see that she wakes up and she worships. You know, it doesn't say Hannah had a baby, so she worshiped. Hannah was pregnant, so she worshiped. It says Hannah woke up and she worshiped. And I picture it this way. Um, You know, she wakes up and her husband's there. And her husband's other wife is there. And all of their kids are there. And for her, it's just another day of constant reminders of unmet expectations. And I think we can all relate to that. You know, when, when you wake up and everyone around you is getting everything that you had hoped for and that you had prayed for. But Hannah worships because she knows, she chooses to intentionally worship because she knows our worship reminds us of the faithfulness of God. Worship will shift our expectations and they will shift our environment because when we worship, we are fully locked into Jesus. We can't be bothered to look around at anything that we're missing. We lose sight of everything that we're lacking because we're locked into everything that he is. And so our expectations are right here when we're locked in in worship. They're right here at God's view. They shift from our view, and they're right in front of us, so we can't see anything else. And it's not that our desires go away. It's not that our situation changes. And you know, sometimes it does, but not all the time. It's that our expectations have shifted. Our heart towards our situation has changed because we are fully locked into everything that God is and we are filled with everything that he is so we don't care about anything else. You know, Hannah's desire was still there. She hasn't had a baby yet. It's still there. It's still real. But instead, now she's connecting to the Father and she's letting him work through this unmet expectation with her. And so when we connect through worship, we're locked in and we're connected and we're connected through prayer and then we have to get to a place of surrender. Um, In verses 21 through 25, we read that Hannah has Samuel um, and then she takes him back to Shiloh and she gives him to Eli the priest at the tabernacle. And I really feel the importance to highlight that this isn't some like, this is my baby Samuel, and can you take him and pray over him for a couple days and then bring him back and bless him for me, please? No, she gives Samuel to Eli for, for his life. He is dedicated to God for his whole entire life. And you know, I would, I would love to say that I would do the same thing. You know, in verse 26, she says, 
And she said, oh my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. I would love to say that if I were in Hannah's shoes, I'd do the exact same things, but I don't know that I honestly could. Because what do we like to do when we get what we want? Yeah. We love to hold on to it because we're satisfied. We're, we feel like we're fully filled up. And if we let go of it, then we're going to go back to this place of bitterness and anger. So we just hold on. But Hannah is this beautiful picture of surrender where she got the one thing that she desired the most and she gave it immediately right back to God. That's what our lives are supposed to look like. We are supposed to live in full surrender to the Lord so that we are walking in radical obedience and living in a constant state of sensitivity to the Holy Spirit so that when he says go, we go. And when he says stay, we stay no matter how bad we want to go. And when he says leave that behind, that's what we do because we know that he is good. And we know that he has good intentions for us. Hannah gave Samuel back because she knew that everything that we are given is a gift from God and meant to glorify him. And so whenever we get what we want, we give it back when he asks us to because it's not ours in the first place. He gave it to us, and so we give it back, no matter the cost, no matter, no matter the desire, because it's his anyways. We give it back to him, and we glorify him. You know, what does that look like for us? I don't think that God is calling you to give your kids to David or Andrew or Gus. That might be a little weird, um, but I do think there are different ways in our everyday life that we can do that. You know, students, when you make that sports team or when you get into that college, the way that you give that back to God is you use the gifts and the talents and the abilities that you have been given to the best that you can to glorify him. Adults, you do the same things in your jobs. You know, you know spouses, you, you love your husband. You serve your husband and your wife you, as, to the best of your ability. You give your kids back to God by recognizing that they're his kids first. And then you submit every decision that you make about their lives to the will of God. Because here's what I know. Our environments do not change because we get what we want. Hannah's environment did not change because she got what she wanted. Hannah's environment changed because she intentionally shifted her expectations. She connected to the heart of the Father. And so when we aren't getting what we want when we're met with unmet expectations we pour ourselves out in prayer and we worship when we don't feel like it and then we live and we shift to a place of full surrender where we are being radically obedient to whatever God is asking us to do Hannah's story is one of my favorites um, because it starts and she doesn't have a child and she is deeply deeply sad about it. She's not eating. She's weeping. She's so upset. When her story ends, she doesn't have a child anymore. But the, she's okay. She's okay. And the only thing that has shifted between these two places is her connection to the heart of the Father. And so when you're in a season where you are not getting anything that you wanted, where you feel like God isn't listening to any of your prayers and every single expectation that you had goes unmet. 
What does your connection to the heart of the Father look like? When you're in a season where you feel like, you know, you're getting everything you ever prayed for, you're getting everything you hoped for, and everything's great, what does your connection to the heart of the Father look like? Because in each of these places, your environment will look exactly the same if you're not connected. I think we like to believe that our environment will change when we get what we want, but that's not true. If you get what you want, but you're still stuck in this place where you're not pouring yourself out in prayer and you're not worshiping and you're, you're not living in full surrender, your environment will look exactly the same. So you have to shift. You have to connect to the heart of the Father. The question that I am going to leave you with today is, what does that look like for you? You know, where, what season are you in? Where are you at? Are, are, are your expectations being met? Are your expectations not being met? What does your connection to the heart of the Father look like? Are you pouring yourself out in prayer? It gets uncomfortable. It feels weird. But are you doing it? Because when we do it, we're reminded that he's good and he's for us. Are you worshiping when you don't feel like it? You know, when I was in a season of unmet expectations, it doesn't feel fun to worship. It, you know, it's, it's probably one of the last things that I wanted to do, but when you do it, you're connected to the faithfulness of God. Are you living a life of full surrender? You know, that's probably one of the hardest ones for us. But we've got to give it back. And you know, what I love about this so much is later on in, in, Sam, in 1 Samuel, we read, you know, Hannah gets more, she gets more kids. She has more kids. Because when we open up, when we let go, it leaves room for more. So what is your heart to the connection? Or what does your connection to the heart of the Father look like? Beyond the Father's heart The mysteries He lashes on